Hello and welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. I'm your host, Beatrice Vargas, and this week, I'm so excited to be here with you. I know, I'm excited every week, right? <laughs> actually, I've been having a great summer. We actually celebrated a big birthday for my mom and a big birthday for my son, and it's just been really busy juggling and doing all the things, and I've been working on something extra special for you that I will announce a little later. And because of that, I've been waiting. I have been highly anticipating being able to bring you this week's episode because this topic has been huge for me, my own marriage, and for so many other people that I've talked to where we feel like part of some of the miscommunication or problems in communication in our marriage is because maybe one of the spouses uh, neurodivergent maybe one of the spouses has ADHD like I think I might have it and maybe undiagnosed or really it goes unchecked and it has wrecked havoc on my marriage for so long but now as I've started to research this topic as I've really started to dig into it more and learn how to manage it more it has made a world of difference for me and I really wanted to bring that topic for you guys because I feel like I am not alone in this so if it's meaningful to me it must be meaningful to you as well. you're sitting in a marriage that feels empty, struggling to connect with your husband, maybe you're telling yourself you're just sticking it out for the kids and what really keeps you in the marriage is God. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you reconnect in marriage and feel cherished again. Hey, I'm Beatrice, a Jesus-loving wife and mom. I've been married for 15 years, but for the past 10, I've actually had the affectionate and connected marriage I've always dreamed of. What happened the first five years? Well, I was busy telling my husband all the things he was doing wrong, like how he needed Jesus and he needed to make me happy. We tried marriage counseling, small groups, all the things we were told that would make our marriage better nothing worked and we separated. How did I turn it around? Well, that's what you'll learn in this podcast. Proven skills to communicate better, create more intimacy, and be a grace-fueled wife. So if you're ready to finally communicate effectively with your husband so you can stop fighting and be on the same team again, this podcast is for you. Now grab that journal and let's jump right in. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to let you know about a huge announcement. If you guys didn't know, I am a huge birthday fan. I love celebrating birthdays. I make a big deal about birthdays. I just love birthdays. I'm the oldest of nine. So birthdays were the only things that could ever be about me and not about all my other brothers and sisters. Next month, in the beginning of the month, is my birthday. And to celebrate, I'm actually giving you the prize. I'm hosting a free one-hour class, a Better Marriage Masterclass. You'll get to hang out with me free on Zoom for an hour. There's going to be all kinds of amazing and fun door prizes. And I really hope to see you there. 
I will be releasing more details in the upcoming weeks. But for now, to secure your spot and let me know you want to go by checking out bettermarriagemasterclass.com. Just enter your name and email address. That will let me know you want to go. If you can't make it for whatever reason, there will be a replay, but that will only be for the people who registered and let me know they want to go in the first place. I'm so excited to hang out with you guys for a full hour. We'll have a time of Q&A, but I'm going to do a whole on training. Again, this is a better marriage masterclass. So check out bettermarriagemasterclass.com. All right, ladies, we have such a treat today. We are speaking with, I'm going to say, Dr. Danielle McGue. She is a mom, professor, certified elite life coach, and host of the Plan Goal Plan podcast. Danielle is passionate about helping high-achieving mamas be as ambitious about their personal life as they have been about their work life. For the past 20 years, Danielle has been ambitiously cultivating a career in higher education, teaching courses, and publishing research on public speaking, storytelling, and identity, problem solving, and community building. Danielle's podcast, Plan Goal Plan, helps working moms plan and set goals with purpose and is ranked in the top 2% of podcasts globally. She wants to be bold at work and still have enough energy to have fun at home using creative approaches to self-development. She helps working moms connect to themselves and others, reclaim time, and achieve their goals. Thank you so much, Danielle. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Can I call you Dr. Danielle? I mean, you got the PhD. You are. (laughs) If you call me Dr. Danielle, I am absolutely okay with that. I do. Okay. I do actually ask all my students to just call me Danielle because okay. I don't know, like doctor seems so serious and I'm a pretty playful person. <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know, it's funny in my master's program, one of the professors asked the students to call her by her first name. And our dean was like, she's going to ask you to call her by her first name. You use doctor. She <laughs> earned that title. <laughs> like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I mean, it was it was hard. You know, getting the PhD was not easy. But at the same time, like I want my students to feel like I'm relatable. And so I think that's what I'm comfortable with. But you call me whatever you want, Beatrice. I think it's so important. I'm so excited about this conversation. Just for the audience, Danielle and I were having a great conversation around planning and goal setting. And, you know, we are in a mastermind together. And it's really so exciting. And what got me going on this conversation is Danielle started to talk to us about ADHD and how that affects planning. And so this was a conversation that I was like, well, we really need to bring this to the podcast because it's been something that I've been dealing with in my own life. And I've heard a lot of my listeners dealing with it. But before we get into all that, I wanted to ask you, Danielle, if you can tell us a little bit about your own story and how you got into planning and goal setting. Yeah. So like a lot of people, I came into this when I was in a really rough time in life. (laughs) So when I was pretty young, I decided that I wanted to be a professor. So I think I was in my early, early 20s. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And one of, I guess, the lovely things about being a professor is the roadmap to that job is pretty clear. You know, you get this degree, then you get that degree, and then you get another degree, and then you get a job, and then you get tenure. And so here I was in my mid-30s at the time. I was expecting my first kiddo and I earned tenure and I thought that I would be elated. And instead I felt really lost. 
for the first time, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do next. I was juggling the responsibilities of being a parent and working. I was trying to be a wife and be a parent and learning how to navigate that new role in my marriage. And things just felt fragile. Things felt tenuous. And I didn't know how to get myself back on track in some ways. And so for me, I really started, in some ways, I started planning and doing a lot of scheduling and planning and task management and time management because I couldn't remember things. <laughs> like I, you know, I was in that postpartum, like wildness, you don't sleep and I couldn't remember things. But um, when I really got into goal setting, it was also because there are just so many aspects of my life that as an adult had always just kind of worked. Like marriage, I didn't think that it was hard. And for the first time I was like, oh my gosh, marriage is so hard. I don't know how to do this. And so I needed to do some, a lot of reflective work to gain some clarity on what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my marriage to look like now that we have kids? What do I want to be like as a parent? Um, what are my next steps in my career? Because it all felt like it just kind of came, I wouldn't even say crashing down, but it almost like it's like it just stalled all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I got into planning and goal setting because I needed to find some clarity and everything I was going through personally was also impacting my marriage. And I remember at one point being like, I can't let my marriage suffer like anything else in my life can fall apart. But if I mess up this relationship, that's going to be the hardest thing for me. And so I remember at one point when you have to make your marriage a priority and what does it look like to set relationship goals? So that was such an important thing for me. Wow. Thank you for that. And then as you were speaking, I was hearing so many points in your story where marriage goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. I was hearing so many points in your story where like baby's born. Whoa, big shift. That first year in marriage, big shift. All the life things that happen that if we just let life happen to us, then it just becomes one big old hot mess. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there on the other side like, wait a minute, what did I do? And I think also in our relationships, in our marriage, the way to build a life and not just let life happen to us is by planning and goal setting. And for me personally, I, I, I didn't even start doing that. Like I always had a, okay, here's my goal and this is what I'm going to do to get there. But it was very vague, right? It was like, here's my goal, graduate college in four years. Great. Didn't really know, you know, got an internship. Great. Got a corporate career. Great. And then like, I was just rolling with it without a clear plan. But then once I left corporate and it was like, now what, right? Like, now what am I going to do? Then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think I actually need something. And then, and we'll talk about this in a bit. And then when I started to realize that my undiagnosed, but I'm pretty sure ADD was keeping me from the focus that I needed. It was like, oh my God, the light bulb started to go on. Like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that's why I was never really able to complete this thing or that thing. So all these things started to go on. And that's when I really started to implement systems for myself so that I can 
manage through it. So now people are like, oh, you don't have ADD. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. I'm pretty sure I'm just good at hiding it uh, with yeah. systems and planning and all that. So you talked a little bit about this, but how does planning and goal setting impact relationships, whether it be the marriage relationship or, or others really? Yeah. So one of the things that I think about is when we first got married, we had people in our lives give us advice for marriage. I think this is a tradition for a lot of people mm -hmm. that part of the wedding process is that you give the newlywed some relationship advice. And I remember one of the pieces of advice that we got was make sure that you're always moving in the same direction. And I think about that a lot because in life, there are a lot of opportunities for us to decide which direction we're going to take. And as a couple and as a family, if we aren't moving in the same direction, I think we're going to start feeling some tension. There's going to be some fissures. <laughs> There's going to be some <laughs> gaps. And so one of the things that I really love about planning and goal setting is one, on a personal level, it helps me reflect and really know myself well so that I can articulate these are my values. This is what I need right now. So for example, if I need to tell my partner, if I need to tell my husband, hey, look it, this is what's going on with me right now. I'm dealing with like a lot of anxiety. Can you help me in the mornings? I'm able to be self-aware of that because of the planning practices that I have in place, like journaling. And then I can ask him really clearly what it is that I need. And I think that that helps him step up and be what he needs to be for me. And then on the other hand, like us together saying, all right, where do we want our family to be in five years? What is important to us? If I get a big opportunity at work, but it might pull me away from the family, is that something we're going to say yes to or are we going to say no to? And, you know, how are we going to make those decisions together? Well, you know, for us, we're going to pray about it. But like, how are we going to do those things is so, so important. And it just, it provides a system for you as a couple to make decisions about how you're going to move forward. And so I think I that's really helpful. And I mean, I will say, I think that it can help in other relationships like friendships and, and also just like your child-parent relationships and things like that. But I think especially as couples in a relationship, it's super important. Yeah. As you were talking uh I was seeing even in my own life and marriage. Now, my own marriage is healthy. Like we've gotten past all the ugly pieces of it. But I would say over the past few years, the thing that has taken my marriage from good to great is planning and making goals together. And it's not something that I ever thought we could do because we never actually did it together. We never thought about it. It wasn't like we were just letting life happen to us and just living life. But now we sit down and we are doing things that we had never done before. Like we're finally combining the finances, like never, ever. Before I was like, nope, we have separate finances. I'm all about it. We don't fight about finances. Like I'm all good, but we've started to come together and be like, well, if we want to meet these certain goals, combining our finances is the best way to do it. Just in so many different things, since I've started to really be intentional about my planning process and what I do for my own self, my husband was always like that. 
but I was never like that. And so I was just all over the place, but it has helped me really stay focused. And so when people are like, how do you do it? How do you run multiple businesses and be a wife and a mom and be in grad school and do all these things and, and, and do it well. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm doing it all well, but, but the way <laughs> I'm able to keep it together is by planning and having a system for things and really um, doing things in a certain way. And it's just made my marriage actually so much richer because I'm like, okay, babe, we have a plan. We have a system. And he's like, yes, I'm all about it. This is great. And it's been super helpful. And it's part of why I wanted you on the show, because I've had a few episodes before about goal setting and planning in marriage and they don't, it, nothing ever really happens with them. Like they're not very popular. And I think part of it is because people aren't searching for that when they come to me. But one of the things I wanted to have my audience hear about is really the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And so like the importance even of how doing the planning, the goal setting together improves your communication next level. You know, like so many fights have disappeared now because we have a shared calendar and things that I never even thought. And he'll say to me, oh, don't you have something on the calendar or was that on the calendar? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't, you know, but we don't argue about it anymore. It's just so many things have changed because of it. Um, and I personally felt such a huge difference, which is why I wanted to talk to you about it. Now, the other thing that I really wanted to get is that as we were chatting before, you had said that you have experience living with someone with ADHD. So mm -hmm. how does that imply, and you know, and I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure I have it. So how does mm -hmm. that, how does ADHD impact planning and organizing? And what does that mean for relationships? Yeah. So before I jump into things, I do want to add a disclaimer. So while I do have a PhD and I'm Dr. Danielle McHugh, Right. I am. I am not like I don't study ADHD. I don't diagnose people with ADHD. I'm not that kind of doctor. Um, I'm a doctor that confuses people more than I clarify things for people. <laughs> um, but I do think that I have learned a lot about ADHD for a couple of different reasons. One, like you said, I live with someone who has ADHD. So my husband, he was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. Um, I am highly suspicious that my son has ADHD. And then lately, I've kind of been wondering whether or not I might have ADHD. As I researched a lot about ADHD, I have learned that particularly women um, often have not been diagnosed, that a lot of the ways in which we are able to recognize ADHD was how it is more commonly exhibited in boys, especially young boys, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so here, there are a lot of women, adult women being diagnosed with ADHD or finding out that they were misdiagnosed with postpartum anxiety when really, like, they've always probably had ADHD, but like you, they learned how to manage it. They learned how to hide it. And all of a sudden, they're going through postpartum and you don't have sleep, you don't have the other resources available to you to manage it as well as you have been in the past. And all of a sudden, those symptoms start to show. So why is ADHD important for planning and goal setting? So ADHD really affects executive function. And so that is all of the things that help you kind of start on a task and then finish it. And so a lot of times, 
people with ADHD, they do struggle maybe with focus. They struggle with follow through. Um, they might describe themselves as procrastinators. And when the truth is, is that their executive functioning is just a little bit different. And so they might need to do mm-hmm. things a little bit different in order to help themselves follow through. So when it comes to especially home organization, this was like a big one for me. And I kind of get, I get worked up about this. So you might hear me be pretty passionate. So go if you go on to Pinterest and you get all of this home organization help that tells you that like, for example, your kitchen counters should be, you know, completely cleared off and then you should put everything behind a cupboard. Well, somebody with ADHD, a lot of times, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. And now by asking them for you, it may not be a big test to open up a cupboard and take it out. But those are two extra steps that you're asking someone to do. We're just putting the coffee maker, for example, on the counter where they can see it and they can remember, oh, I'm going to make coffee this morning for the family, right? You have reduced some of the barriers to them doing the task. Now, this is true for everyone, but for someone with ADHD, it's even easier. So a lot of it makes it even easier for them to do. And so a lot of the ways that we've been taught about home organization is one, really focused on aesthetics over functionality. And two, it's designed for neurotypical brains. And so what you might find is you might be fighting, for example, with me, I might feel like, why didn't my husband do this thing that I asked him to? Well, it's because he's been hyper-focused on another task and I need to remind him but I don't want an egg, but I need to remind him he needs Mm -hmm. me to do that because he does want to help. So it's not that like he doesn't want to take the trash out on trash day. It's that he might need to set an alarm on his phone or he might need me to be his alarm and he will then do it. And so I've had to really learn how to organize things in our home, for example, in a way that triggers those cues for habits for him that maybe don't follow the mainstream advice that you'd find on Pinterest for how to organize your home. Yeah. That's so funny when you're talking about that. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yes. Yes. And yes. Like if I'm hyper-focused on something, not only can I not think about anything else, but I am livid, like a dragon mad if somebody comes and breaks that focus, because that is my only productive time. If I'm hyper-focused on something, I could be, it's like the only time somebody with ADD can focus on something. It only happens like when I'm under pressure or whatever. And like, I, I can bang out a project, a paper, you know, whatever the task is, and I can do it, do it well and do it quickly, but only in that mode. And once I'm out, I'm out and it takes me forever to get back in. So like you were saying, if your husband's hyper-focused, you almost really shouldn't take him away from that task because otherwise, whatever task he's on, he's he's not going to get done, right? And, And maybe it's a task that's important to him. And if it's something like taking out the trash, it's like, really? You needed to stop me, like break my flow to take out the trash? Those are things that my husband and I used to fight about all the time. And it wasn't until recently when I started to realize, wait a minute, 
I think I might have ADD, maybe not as severe as my dad or my brother, whatever, but like, I'm pretty sure I have. And then I started to realize the whole thing with the anxiety, because what I was realizing is that my ADD was causing me to not finish tasks in the time that I wanted to finish it. And then I was having anxiety also the unchecked ADD was causing me to not finish the task. And then I was having anxiety about not finishing the task. And then having anxiety over all the other things, because I also will put too much on my plate. So it was just making a complete mess of my life, right? And then my husband and I fighting over things like, like you were saying, he might ask me to do something. Oh, can you, you know, we both work from home. And so I'll be like going out into the kitchen for something. And he, oh, can you boil me some eggs? Okay, sure. So I'll go out to the kitchen and I'll start the thing. I'll put the pot of water on the stove and then I'll go away and do something completely unrelated and forget. And I didn't, it's not like I meant to, or I don't care about him or whatever. It's just my, my brain went something somewhere else, or I'll start taking out the garbage and it'll be like half out. And then I'll go and do another task. And he comes back and he's like, Oh my God, why can't you just finish it? And I'm like, Oh, I meant to like, I, I I really know I shouldn't leave the garbage like we have it under the sink. So like, you know, rolls out. <laughs> like I really know I shouldn't leave it like that. I meant to, but then something else happened that I don't know. Not even if it was more important. And all the time he's like, I don't understand. It takes two yes. seconds. And I'm like, it doesn't take two seconds. He's like, it really does. And I'm like, but you don't understand. And so now that I've been sending him content, there's all this content online now yeah. about um, ADHD and how that, or ADD, because I don't know if I'm hyper, but just the uh, the attention issue. And so then I've started to share that content with him so he could see like, it's not just me because I'm over here thinking I'm alone. I'm right. thinking that there's something wrong with me and that, you know, It's just, and just figuring like, I don't know, I guess I just work well under pressure. You know what I mean? And not knowing the whole time that that's really what it was. And so by understanding that, and then my, and then understanding that my husband is as neurotypical as they come. He has a very linear brain. Like now we can not get angry at each other. Cause I've been able to say, my brain just doesn't work the same way yours does. It doesn't make me wrong or a bad person. He can have more empathy care. for me. Yeah. And, and like, it doesn't mean that, that I don't love you. That was a big thing with us. Yeah. So yeah. like, um, after I had my um, first kiddo, my pelvis kept slipping out of place and it was wildly painful. And I was getting so frustrated because my husband wouldn't just like finish the laundry for me. Oh. And laundry is a thing that's really hard for him. Um, so like, he'll start it. And then he will struggle to finish it. And in my head, I was like, I am in pain and you don't even care about me enough to finish the laundry, right? But then understanding, doing the work to understand his brain with ADHD and go like, this was not a signal of how much he loves me or how much he cares about me. But this is just like, this is me needing to understand his brain and be patient with that because I was taking it personally and, and I did, I needed him to the laundry. Right. And, and yeah. so 
And so we had to find a new way to communicate that because I was reading his lack of follow through on the laundry as him communicating how he felt about me. And that wasn't what he was trying to do at all. And and like you said, too, I think we both, especially during COVID, we were both working at home mm-hmm. and I like to talk things out. I'm a very auditory learner. And so I would go to talk through like an idea with him and I would be interrupting his flow. I would be interrupting his hyper-focused work time and he gets so frustrated. And then I would feel like, well, you don't want to listen to me, Right. And so we had to really work through those and go like, it's not that he doesn't want to listen to me. He just can't listen to me right now. And I need to recognize that if he's sitting at his computer and clearly in a flow, I need to mind my own business, you know? And so I think that one of the things in partnerships is like, let's take time and learn each other's brains. Yeah. I love that because it's true. I work in my closet or my office as one of the girls calls it's like my closet office. Uh, if I keep the door closed, if I put like I have a sign, like I'm recording, right? Like, literally a sign on the doorknob that means do not come in. And if I don't have the sign on the doorknob, he'll just walk in. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, what? I'm like, you don't understand what just opening the door does, you know? And it's yeah. the same thing. It's just the same thing. And it's so funny, like you said it too. He, it was the same thing for us. His love language is acts of service. So he was interpreting me, same thing like you said, he was interpreting my lack of follow through on something he asked of me as not loving him because mm-hmm. he was like, well, you could do other things. And it's like, it's not only because I've got the focus for those other things. And you're right. It's been so huge to just be able to understand each other. And then it means work on my part in terms of learning how to manage it better, but also work on his part in terms of being more graceful and showing me a little bit more empathy that we don't think the same way. And it's funny because I actually had a listener send me an article, which I thought was great on how narcissism So ADHD sometimes presents itself like with similar symptoms of narcissism Mm -hmm. because I had done an episode on narcissism and she's like, I thought you'd find this really interesting. And what it had to do was the hyper-focused while the other spouse thinks, oh, he doesn't care about me. He's like only into his own stuff. It's not. It was really more of like he was hyper-focused and just trying to get the thing done. So I thought that conversation was so important to bring to the listeners because I think it helps us have empathy for each other. So whether you're the one who's neurotypical and your spouse has ADD or vice versa, but understanding that it's not that they don't love you, it's not that they're just a hot mess everywhere and that they don't care about a clean house or nothing on the counter or whatever, it's they're trying to manage, they're trying to navigate life in a way that works for them and it just doesn't work, you know, your brains don't think the same and I think Unless you have had experience with somebody who has ADD, you just don't understand it. Like you just don't get it. And it's helpful to be able to have that grace and that empathy for them. And I know we were talking, so let's talk about you a little bit and what you do and what your podcast is about, because I thought that was really great. So you have a podcast, Plan Goal Plan, which I started listening to and In fact, I was just listening to the episode about the Start Fresh 
yeah. right? And how like starting fresh. And so I was like, oh, it's just a great concept. And so I recommend Danielle's podcast very much if you are into any of this sort of thing. But one of the things I thought was interesting, what we were talking about is, so you coach people through planning and organizing, but you do it in a way that works for them. Because mm -hmm. there's other people that do planning and organizing and they do it the Pinterest way. And they're just kind of like, just, you know, get yourself together, you know, get into your work mode and just get it done. And it's like, I try, but it doesn't always work for me. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and like what you do for different clients, depending on what they need? Yeah. So a lot of times I see people that are doing time management or even home organization systems that they might move people all through the same system. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like if you're going to, especially planning, right? So thinking about how people organize their schedule, a lot of times people are like, okay, so here's your planner, you know, mm -hmm. and here's how you're going to enter things in. And I feel like what's really hard about this, and I actually first realized this when I realized that different people need different planners. So for example, the most popular kind of planner is a vertical planner mm -hmm. that um, kind of moves Monday and then it might have the time along the side. That has never worked for me. So I thought that I just couldn't use paper planners. And then I realized later on that horizontal planners work wonderful for me. And so what I started to realize is that it's not just the system. It's also having things that kind of spark the system for you. So having mm -hmm. the right planner that would guide you through a system that works for you is really helpful. And so when I work with people, I like to offer a framework, but that there's flexibility within the framework to meet individual minds. So for example, like my husband, he could, he can't sort of micro plan. That's like very anxiety producing for him. He does a lot better if he's also kind of like zooming out, looking at his month together because he wants to know what do I need to prioritize for today among all of these other things. And so I would probably guide him through things a little bit differently. Or if we're going to daily plan, what do we do daily? What do we do weekly? What do we do monthly? Might be a little bit different for him than it would be for me, than it would be for some of my coaching clients. And so when I work with my coaching clients, I really, I take them through, it's a plan, goal, plan process. So we plan for clarity. And in that, I'm learning about their brains. I think they're learning about themselves. They're starting to engage in planning habits that also incorporate self-reflection. And then we set goals. So we actually don't set goals until we've taken at least usually a month to do some self-reflection because what I sort of find is that people end up setting a goal that isn't the right goal. It's like a should goal. It's like a goal that you think you should be doing but maybe is not right for the season that you're in. And then you don't succeed at it and you feel like there's something wrong with you when really that just wasn't the right goal for right now. And so having that planning for clarity and then setting goals and then let's work on, I call it like plan for action, where we're really refining and making more efficient our planning processes. And so we don't get to some of those more, I would say like high level skills until after we've already done that work. And I really try to cater it to each individual and figure out, well, what does that individual need right now? 
Um, and so there's a framework that I definitely work through, but within that framework, I want there to be a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Thank you. I, I thought that was really important to talk about. And I thought also helpful for the audience to see not only is it the importance of planning and the importance of it that it has on our relationship, but also how depending on basically how your brain works, mm-hmm. planning needs to be done differently every single time. And I thought that that was really important just for them to be aware of, but also uh, to understand how, what that means in their marriage. So I'll hear a lot of women, they'll get annoyed maybe because their husband doesn't do things a certain way, or he doesn't do things the way they do them. And it's, it's this idea of just because he's not doing it the way you do, it doesn't mean he's doing it wrong. And I think earlier you had said something about the advice that you had gotten was make sure that you grow together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that's come up a lot in my world where uh, husband and wife feel like they're, they've grown apart. But if we can keep the marriage together by, by growing together and having these plans and these goals together, That's one of the things that can help unify you, you know, have these goals unify you so that you don't end up growing apart. Because I've seen it happen and I'm like, I don't, you know, what do you do at that point? So this has been such a helpful, helpful conversation. Uh, Where can my listeners find you? Yeah. So find me on the Plan Goal Plan podcast, or you can jump over to plangoalplan.com and check me out there. Um, Also, I do free complimentary coaching calls. So if you heard that and you're like, Ooh, well, what's that like? Um, you can do that for free, check it out. And, um, you can find that on my website, plangoplan.com. Awesome. Thank you, Danielle. I loved this conversation. This has really been a treat guys. I'll also have all her information in the show notes as usual. I love you guys. And until next week. Hey, love, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found any value in it, any teaching, any transformation, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Click the link, go ahead and share it with a friend, text it to somebody, share it on Instagram, tag me at the Grace Fields Wife, any of those things, or maybe even write a review. All those things are really the best way that you can thank me, and it helps the show to get found by other amazing women just like you. I love you. And I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode of The Grace Fields Wife.